Archiver is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council and is a member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. We start this archiver with a political ad from 1984. Senator Nancy Landon Kassebaum. I'm proud to have served for six years as a senator from the wheat state. Kansas farmers grow more wheat than anyone else in the world, but they're dependent on railroads to take their grain to market. That's why I wrote legislation to renew rail service to grain elevators like this one across central and northwest Kansas. Kansas agriculture needs our support. I'm asking for yours on November 6th. She listens. She cares. That's from Nancy Landon Kassebaum's re-election campaign when she was still using Landon, at the time a potent political name in Kansas. Now with Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi, you may not realize the uniqueness of a woman in the United States Senate in 1978. And depending on how you define it, Kassebaum was the first or second woman elected in her own right to the Senate. Before Kassebaum, Margaret Chase Smith followed her deceased husband into the House and then won a seat in the upper chamber in 1948. But women in Kansas politics goes back to before, well, before women could even vote in most elections. And wouldn't you know it, the very first woman to be elected mayor of an American city was from Kansas in 1887. The podcast is Archiver, the episode, Women and Sunflower Politics. Me, I'm your host, Sam Zeff. Let's start in Argonia, Kansas, along U.S. 160 in Sumner County, about 20 miles north of the Oklahoma line. That's where Susanna Medora Salter, active in the women's temperance movement, became mayor in 1887 and presided over about 400 folks, oddly, about the same size of Argonia today. Boys being boys, of course, Salter's name was placed in nomination by men as a joke. The joke was on them. Salter received two-thirds of the vote and was elected on April 4th. We, of course, have no sound with Susanna Salter, but we do have archiver historian Virgil Dean. What can you tell me about Mayor Salter? Well, not too much, really. We don't know too much about her. In 1887, she uh, was put forward as a candidate by the Prohibition Party in this very first election when women could vote. Uh, They had just passed it. Uh, They went to the polls in the spring and voted with women voting for the first time in the municipal elections. And there were also uh, some women city commissioners, I think in Oskaloosa, who uh, were elected that, that same year. How does this fit into our first episode of this season, the free state myth? So in the earliest concepts of Kansas, when they're talking about uh, a free state constitution, there is this move, uh, a debate at least, about granting women and African Americans, Mm -hmm. correct, Mm -hmm. suffrage? Exactly. And so... And then it it fails. And so does that continue? Is that part of the free state myth? Is it something that we don't like to remember? Is it not as bad as it sounds when you put it in historical context? Help me, help me with how that fits into that. Well, I think if you want to 
if you take the line, then it's not as bad as it sounds. You'd have to say, well, in comparison, compared to who else? Uh, because uh, to say that Kansas was a leader in granting equal suffrage, one of the leaders in granting equal suffrage to to women uh, in 1912, was well, that good? Well, they were ahead of a lot of states, most other states, but that's still taking a long time to get to the ultimate goal. I think more to your point is that uh Kansans, at least some Kansans, were struggling for a better place, political and social place for all people from the very beginning of our uh, effort to enter the Union as a free state. And so at the Wyandotte Convention in 1859, there were people there who were advocating for equal suffrage for women, for equal rights, more equality for blacks. Uh, in 1867, people had Kansans were given a chance, opportunity by the legislature to vote for equal suffrage for women and equal suffrage for black men. Uh, both failed, but it's a sign that there was this ongoing struggle to, to perhaps ultimately reach that objective of uh, what some people thought free state meant from the very beginning. Uh, it obviously the reality was is what we're talking about. Really, the reality was different than what the uh, the idea or the dream might have been, you might say. But the lane was there, the potential was there, and I think the we debate should feel goes good, on. Yeah. yeah, I think, uh, and that to me, that's, that's an important part of it. There were always people there of all kinds, women, blacks, white political uh, light leaders of the uh, Kansas um, scene who were arguing in some cases for more equality or equality. So that debate always is there. There's always somebody there saying, look, we can do better than this. Uh, we are better than this, and we should be better than what what the reality is here for all people in Kansas. You know me. I'm always looking for uh, the best light for my beloved Kansas. <laughs> I think that's it on this issue is that, that the struggle continued. Um, and uh, you know, at least uh, at least you can point you can point to that. I think with some pride, that uh, not everything. We and that's one reason why it's important to recognize that these things. It wasn't all good. It wasn't the free state that we like to think about, but it was, um, you know, free state maybe in 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 the making, uh, the uh, the move towards more liberty for all and more equality was kind of an, a process that was working itself out in Kansas. The first woman elected statewide in Kansas, Elizabeth Wooster in 1918, who was superintendent of public instruction, an office we no longer have. Now, nobody could accuse Lizzie, as she preferred to be called, of being soft on teachers. In 1922, she tried to fire several of them in Cimarron after they'd been seen at a dance. That inflexibility cost Lizzie a third term. It took 34 years for Kansans to elect another woman statewide. In 1956, Lily Washabaugh became state printer, another office that no longer exists. Kansas sent its first woman to Congress in 1932. Catherine O'Laughlin McCarthy, a Democrat no less, was swept into office with FDR that year. One of only eight women in the House at the time, she had just one term. Wait a minute, just occurred to me, we haven't heard from a woman yet. 
Let's fix that right now. So I am Kansas State Representative Stephanie Clayton. I was elected to the Kansas House in 2012. And so I am now on uh, finishing up the first year of my third term. Total disclosure, Clayton is my state representative in Overland Park, and I voted for her twice. She also has a history degree from Emporia State. You're a student of history, and I want you to talk to me a little bit about your predecessors in the Kansas legislature, women uh, who preceded you, who uh, I think blazed the trail for you and and so many other uh, women who are now 29% about of, uh, of the Kansas legislature. Talk to me about the history of women in, in the Kansas legislature. Well, uh, we had our first female legislator was elected, uh, I believe, in, oh, I want to say 1912. Uh, no, it was 1918. I apologize. We got the vote uh, in 1912 or the universal vote. I, what's interesting about, especially when you look at history of voting rights, is that it always ends up being incremental. You know, first women got the vote only in school board elections, and then we got the vote in municipal elections. Full suffrage took a while for us to get, although Kansas was uh, really a trailblazer when it comes to the voting rights of women. And you look at the way that women first start getting leadership roles, right? Uh a lot of it was in the Women's Christian Temperance Union, or it was through schools. Uh, and then you have the election of Minnie Grinstead in 1918. And so we have a really interesting excerpt from the Kansas City Star talking about how some of the other legislators were concerned, the male legislators were concerned that Representative Grinstead would have a problem. She might, quote, nag them about their cigar smoking, end quote. So when we're thinking about, oh, the the house floor and how we just uncovered the murals because they were all damaged by years and years of cigarette smoke. Uh, what's also interesting, too, is that Representative Grinstead, you know, she first came in, she was by herself for her first term and then was later joined by three other female representatives. Now, Grinstead was a Republican, but you have uh, others who were uh, who were Democrats and Republicans. So it's sort of a bipartisan force. And it's interesting looking at the policies that they support. Uh, Representative Grinstead was actually quite the trailblazer. She proposed outlawing the sale of cigarettes. And now, of course, we have the Tobacco 21 initiatives that we see. So really, it's quite fascinating to see what they support. You have uh, Representative, I wanted to say, uh, Ida Wells, I believe was her name, who supported labor laws, so uh, particularly for uh, those working on farms. And so... It's just amazing to see what they put forth. You don't hear, of course, the stories of how they interacted with their male colleagues, if there was resentment or if there wasn't. But one thing that we do know from looking back through Kansas history is that when it comes to women's suffrage and women's rights, we really are a trailblazer. It's not always just, um, oh, what is it, Wyoming. You know, they shouldn't always get the credit. A lot of times Kansas leads. And I think in this case, we really did. Despite Minnie Grinstead and Catherine McCarthy and Mayor Salter and even Senator Nancy Kassebaum, it took a long time for Kansans to make a woman governor. My opponent spent $2 million trying to discredit me and my record. 
You know my record and his. I've served you 16 years as state treasurer, good years, and I'm proud of my record. You know I'll be a good governor and that together we'll make this a better state for all Kansans. On election day, let's finish the job we started and return government to the people. I ask for your vote and your prayers. Democrat Joan Finney was not only the first woman governor of Kansas, she got there by ousting incumbent Republican Mike Hayden in 1990. And you know what else? Finney was the first woman to ever unseat an incumbent man to become governor. Finney would herself only serve one term. She unsuccessfully ran for the Democratic nomination for Senate in 1996. Then, in 2002, Kansas elected its second female governor. Kathleen Sebelius's first day as insurance commissioner, the department an ethical mess, serving the special interests instead of the people. Let's get to work. Kathleen Sebelius, ending years of special interest influence, serving consumers like never before, and no campaign contributions from insurance companies, not even now running for governor. I'll put the people of Kansas before anything else. Kathleen Sebelius, governor. It's a pretty hokey ad, Sebelius cleaning out file cabinets, opening curtains to let the sun in, an old phone labeled consumer hotline. Later ads were more serious, but they worked. She won with 53% of the vote. Sebelius was reelected four years later with 58%, and she would go on to serve in President Obama's cabinet. Which brings us to today. After all those fits and starts, how are women doing now in Kansas politics? In 2017, 29% of the Kansas legislature was female. And that percentage has been pretty steady since 1989. About a quarter of lawmakers have been women. But here's what's puzzling. In 1989, Kansas was ranked eighth in the country. But with about the same number of women in the legislature, today, Kansas ranks 18th. I went to another veteran politician to talk about this. Sandy Prager was mayor of Lawrence in the State House and Senate and had three terms as insurance commissioner, a moderate Republican, there were those who wanted her to run for governor. But she decided to retire, and I caught up with her in her house in Lawrence, where they're remodeling the kitchen, and I wanted to know why more women aren't getting into politics. I don't mean this to demean men, but uh, women kind of get along. They play well in the sandbox, kind of. And, and I think women as leaders didn't so much lead from a top down, but led from a more horizontal type of leadership. So they don't, and I know there are always exceptions to this, but I, I, I just always felt like we wanted, we just wanted to get the job done and we wanted to be team players. And uh, maybe we were, maybe we felt that way because we were women and felt like we were forging new ground for women who would come after us. I don't know, but I do think uh, the women that I worked with and observed were team players and, and wanted uh, to um, just get the job done and not worry about who took credit. So right now, as we speak, we're a year and a half almost away from a gubernatorial election. Uh, and there are so many people running for governor that I can't name them all, and it's actually part of my job to know that, and there's so many of them. But there are no women. I know. And I want to know why you think that is. Uh, um, 
Politics is ugly right now. It's an it's it's not fun, and um, people don't play nice. Um, the um, it's it's the political advertising is horrendous. Um, you know the, the attack ads, and it, you know I think um, maybe it's a, the sensitivity of women that uh, that just. You know, I'm and I'm you know I'm speaking in broad generalities here, but I, I just um, I'm I'm guessing that that's that that's part of it. It's just not fun, and it's ugly, and and um, I think by and large women are very uncomfortable doing that sort of thing. Um, I had one ad in 2006 that was kind of negative, and we only ran it for a short time because I was so uncomfortable with it. I said, I just don't want to do that. I want us to be positive and, and um, but in, in today's political environment and the way um, other campaigns are run, I think if you don't subscribe to that get in the gutter kind of mentality, it, it's really hard to win. Hard to win without ugliness. Can't argue with that. Still, I thought there had to be more to why women aren't flocking to run for office in Kansas. So I asked Stephanie Clayton. There's a confidence gap that is spoken about, uh, not just in the legislative or the political world, but also in the corporate world. And I think that we're doing really well by getting women into office. We're we're better than we have been. I think we had a little bit of a trough, but, you know, we're starting to creep back up to early 1990s levels, right? But it's getting women to run for higher office. Likewise, if you look at the corporate world, you'll see women in the C-suite, but are they CEO? Not very often. So this is where you hear about terminology like the glass ceiling. And so the ceiling is higher, but it's still there. So that's... I think it's, again, it's primarily the practicality of the fact that women have a lot more responsibilities outside of their professional lives. And uh, and also just we're just not quite there on women believing that they are worthy of leadership. I have to say, don't you think that this would have been the soundbite had that term, by the way, existed in uh, in 1918, right, that we're making progress but there's a glass ceiling. We're just not quite there yet. And it just puzzles me that when are we going to get there, I guess is what I'm asking. I don't know when we'll get there. I do not believe that I will see a female president in my lifetime. I used to think that. I do not think that anymore. I'm 40 years old, for the record. Um, Don't think I'll see it. I think that my daughter will, though. And so it's worth striving for that. For the record, I'm 60, and I absolutely believe that I'll see a female president in my lifetime. Of the United States? <laughs> I don't know. I used to think so. I, I uh, have lost faith in that. But again, it's just because I won't see it in my lifetime doesn't mean that my daughter might not. So it's still worth putting in the work. I'm not sure why I'm more optimistic than these two accomplished women politicians, but I am. Maybe it's because I learned my first political lessons from my mom, active in politics her whole life. Perhaps it's because I've covered a lot of strong and smart women in the Kansas legislature. Or maybe it's the ghost of Mayor Susanna Salter of Argonia, Kansas, who in 1887 told a bunch of men to go pound sand that she 
had a better way. That's Archiver. The podcast is produced by Matt Hodap in the studios of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City and is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council. Archiver is a co-production of Fountain City Frequency and Do Good Productions, where Nancy Seelan is executive producer. You can see Susanna Salter and all of our other politicians at FountainCityFrequency.com. My thanks to Sandy Prager and Stephanie Clayton for sharing their thoughts. If you like the podcast, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. For my favorite Kansas historian, Virgil Dean, I'm Sam Zeff, and I'll see you on the next Archiver.